0: Count of the latest internet sensation. If it's happening in Melbourne, Seb Costello all over it. I am so excited. If we don't laugh, we'll cry about it. I will I will anyway. I'm sorry, I'm
1: just uh, tired after 10 days. My friends, also my wife and my girlfriend. I'm oh, so happy to get off the ground to be better than
2: Good
3: morning, Seb, and good morning, Paul. Have you me? Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello on Triple M. A very good morning from Albert Park. It is Grand Prix weekend and we are live from the Coates Hire Supercars Village. Coates Hire being the official equipment supplier to the 2017 Formula One Rolex Australian Grand Prix. But we have to start with football. We're five quarters in to the AFL home and away season. And I don't reckon you'll get a better moment than what took place at the 26 minute mark of the first quarter last night. Travis Cloak wearing a Western Bulldogs jumper, takes a mark and lines up from outside 50. He's staring the goals down at the MCG, looking directly into the eyes of the Collingwood cheer squad who are going absolutely off their brains to try and distract him. The boos are ringing out across the MCG. And then this happened.
0: Travis Cloak to have his first shot on goal. Listen to the Magpie Army. They cheer this man for over 250 <laughs> it to him now, Nate. (laughs) That's great, isn't it? Have a listen to this, Dave. you know know he's alive now. Not a great deal of love for their former hero, Premiership star, Travis Cloak from 52, directly in front. High ball! Long ball! (laughs) Good ball! I hate that. Double cobra from Travis Cloak. He kicks his first in the red, white and blue. Joffa, you've never
3: Joffa looked like he was wearing an oxygen mask that was connected to a tank of fart. That is how disappointed he looked. It was an incredible moment, Travis Cloak kicking that goal. And basically everybody took notice around the ground. I mean, here's what Nathan Buckley had to say about Travis Cloak after the game.
0: Whatever I said, whatever I did, I didn't mean
4: it. I
3: just want you back for good. I was enjoying it. I was back at my parents' house, actually. Went round for a little bit of fish and chips with mum and dad. And we watched the game, had the TV on, and we were in stitches. When Travis Cloak kicked that goal, a couple of Esten supporters taking a bit of humour in the Magpie supporters' pain. Look, if you can do better than that, actually, speaking of the great Take That, the former Robbie Williams boy band there summing up uh, Bucks' view, if you can sum up Travis Cloak's goal in a song better than I can, Give us a call. One triple three five three is our number. Robert from Fir Gully. Morning, mate. Morning, Seb. How you doing, mate? Did you watch the game? Uh, no, I didn't. I was actually listening to listening to the Triple M broadcast. Uh, did you enjoy Clokey's goal as much as I did? I did, mate. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, and ha- how would you summarise it in song? Joe Esposito, you're the best. I like it. Have we got it there, James Lake? Who
0: pushes the button? You're the best,
3: Ah, beautiful. I like it, Rob. Well, mate, you've scored a 2017 Formula One Rolex Australian Grand Prix merchandise pack for that contribution. Enjoy your Saturday. Awesome. Thank you very much, Seb. You too, mate. Beautiful. Thank you to Rob from Ferture Gully. Let's move from footy into netball because tonight on 9GEM there is a massive game taking place. It is first... Versus second, the Giants, that is the GWS equivalent netball side against our very own Melbourne Vixens. I'll be calling the action along with arguably the greatest netball player Australia ever produced. Liz Ellis, who is on the line now. Morning.
5: G'day, Sam. How are you going? Are you pumped?
3: I am really pumped. So I've got a question for you, though. In all the times you've broadcasted netball, who's your favourite person to broadcast with?
5: Ah. Uh... That's a really tough question, but I have to say his <laughs> name starts
3: with F and F, Ed Costello. Well, look, it was, it, was a, it was a bit of a trick question. Uh, so, look, just put this in context for us because, you know, we, we love this sport. We've been watching this season closely from the sidelines. But this is really a huge game, especially as there's been a significant injury to the side in orange, the Giants.
5: Yeah, there has been, actually. So, Kim Green, in the first minute of last week's match against the Thunderbirds, Um, uh, ruptured her ACL. So anyone who knows anything much about sport would know that she's out for anywhere from 9 to 12 months. So that's a huge loss for them. She really runs um, the game for them through that mid-court. But um, Julie Fitzgerald is their coach and she's nothing, she's not experienced. She's lost players before and still managed to produce amazing seasons. So she will get the best out of her team and she'll have to tonight. Um, You know, suddenly... You know, they would have looked at this and the Vixens have surprised everyone. Um... Really, they lost so many plays in the offseason, yet here they are nearly halfway through the season and they're sitting second. And, and I don't think the Giants would have looked at this in the preseason and thought, gosh, this would have to be a top-of-the-table clash. Um, I think they would have thought it was going to be tough, but not as tough as it's going to be. So a huge match for the Giants. They're undefeated, but an even bigger match for the Vixens. You know, they have really um, surpassed all expectations and they would love to be the first team to knock off the Giants.
3: Julie Fitzgerald was an old coach of yours and uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. I called her this week and I said, Julie, have you got any dirt on Liz Ellis? Funny she... so <laughs> <laughs> you mention that her answer was, How long have you got?
5: <laughs> she coached me when I was eighteen, so you can imagine. Imagine how much dirt like, She coached me for fifteen years. So she saw me through Boyfriend's husband, or well, one husband. Um, <laughs> my first husband, who's sitting outside at the moment, drinking tea with our children. But you know, you ne- we don't want to lock things off too quickly. Uh, it's, well, um,
3: exactly. Don't rush into this.
5: No, that's right. So no, she would have. She would have more dirt on me than um, it matters. <laughs> actually. She'd have more. She'd have plenty of dirt on most players. She's a sort of coach who players love playing for her, and you don't get a lot of coaches like that. And, yeah. and you can see this. This giant team, they play as much for each other as they do for her, and. It's unusual with a coach, and the reason she gets that out of players is because she cares about them as players. So, yeah, she's had massive amounts of dirt on me because she cared about me as a person.
6: It know, is lovely. She lovely.
5: Yeah, so she's a ripping coach, and I think she's doing a great job with this team. But, you know, on the flip side is Simone McKinnis, who is doing, a, I can't um, speak highly enough of the job that she's doing as coach of the Vixens. And, again, they love her, and she's got a team that is really happy playing together. It's
3: the voice of Liz Ellis tonight at High Sense Arena. The Melbourne Vixens taking on the GWS Giants in a one versus two contest. Give us a crack. We're on 9 Gem at seven o'clock. Liz and I will be in commentary and I will see you in Melbourne a bit later on today.
5: Can't wait, sir. I've got to go out of Northern Rivers first in New South Wales. i so will <laughs> see how I go.
3: Safe travels. And last night, Travis Cloak speared a goal from 50 right into the Collingwood cheer squad. And all morning we've been taking musical tributes to Cloakie. I go to Twitter. My Twitter is at sebcostello9. And Andrew M Vioritis, well, he nominates this one.
0: I get knocked down, but I get up again. never to me down. I get knocked down, but I get up again. me
3: down. I don't mind it. I don't mind it, Andrew. Keep those tweets coming. Songs for Cloakie on the weekend breakfast this morning. Well done, Trav. What an effort. All right. Now, I mentioned we are in the Supercars Village, and our next guest began his supercar career as a 21-year-old. He's now closing in on 40. And along the journey, he has been a supercar champion as well as a multiple Bathurst winner. Morning, Garth Tander. Good morning, Seb. How are you? Have you got a kid called Seb? I do, actually. Oh, Not fantastic. Not named after Sorry, mate. Sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't claim that, but he must be a very, uh, being uh, your prodigy, he must be a very intelligent, handsome young man.
1: Well, he's only four at the moment, so um, <laughs> we'll see
3: how he goes. But uh, so far, so good. Fantastic. Well, uh, mate, we saw the supercars out yesterday. Uh, Scotty McLaughlin doing very nicely in his Penske, but also a bit of a nasty crash there uh, between the Lee Holdsworth and also Nick Percat. I understand it was a brake failure.
1: Yeah, brake failure on Percat's car on the on the front. So, um, you know, the fastest part of the track, probably your worst nightmare as far as a driver goes, putting your foot on the brake pedal, expecting the car to pull up from... 260 kilometres an hour, and, and, you know, he had lost front brakes. I still had rear brakes, but it almost feels like the car speeds up when you, when you put your foot on the brakes and there's nothing there. So, uh, big accident, lots of damage, uh, Perkats' car's out for the weekend, and I think um, they're trying pretty hard to fix Holdsworth's car Probably won't be ready for today, but maybe ready for tomorrow's race before the F1 race on the afternoon. So a uh, huge crash. Don't like to see that sort of stuff, but thankfully the boys were OK. Yeah,
3: a bit of hard in mouth stuff uh, watching it on the TV yesterday. How is the Albert Park circuit to drive in a supercar?
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. It is a, it's a great circuit. It's um, You always see, you know, we always talk about it every year. It's not part of our championship. Um, So you always say, oh, look, you know, we're not going to try too hard. We're going to look after the cars. And then the green lights come on. We all go as hard as we can. And it's always fantastic racing. So it does. It produces great racing for the supercars. There's plenty of opportunity for us to pass here. Um, The F1 boys say it's one of the trickier uh, tracks for them for passing-wise. But for us, there's probably four or five genuine passing opportunities. So um, that makes it exciting racing. So um, there's a bit of chat around that maybe one day in in the near future, we can make it a part of our championship, which would be fantastic.
3: We're talking to Garth Tander about the Supercars Championship and the fact that they have a couple of races here on the schedule during Grand Prix weekend. Uh, And mate, you mentioned uh, the F1 boys talking about how it was hard to pass. Do you get a chance to bump into any of the F1 drivers while you're down here at Albert Park across the weekend?
1: No, not really. They're they're obviously busy doing their thing and bit like Fort Knox trying to get into their pit lane. So um, um, yeah, look, um, you know, Daniel Ricciardo, obviously, we've both been Perth boys, but, you know, I don't even try and catch up with him this week because it's crazy. You know? He's, you know, you turn on the TV, his face is there. You turn on the radio, his voice is there. You open the paper, his head's there. So he's, uh, he's a busy boy. So, um, so yeah, look, um, those guys, and certainly once a week starts, um, you know, they're very, very busy. So, and, you know, we're busy doing our thing. So, um, but I think, you know, they tend to try and, you know, whenever you sort of catch up with them, they sort of say, oh, you know, we always try and watch the supercars when we can. So, so they probably try and watch it on monitors a bit where they can inside the garage. And, you know, for us, we certainly watch as much of the F1 stuff as we can when they're on track as well.
3: Like to hear it. A bit of motorsport camaraderie. Well, Garth Tander, thanks for joining us uh, on the weekend breakfast. And, mate, enjoy Grand Prix weekend. Cheers Seb, thanks mate. Say hi to Seb Tander for me as well. <laughs>
0: <Cheers>. <laughs> Stringer ended up the footy and he's bounced it through. That's four straight to the dogs. Johannesson picked it up. Look at the leg speed. First clear of a tackle. He loves the kick Johannesson. Pendlebury tight angle. 30 from home. Pot to Pelly. Swinged it round on the right boot. For Solo. Mark He'll play on. He'll kick two goals in a row for Solo. Travis, cloak to have his first shot on goal. Listen to the magpie army from 52 directly in front high ball long ball <laughs> good ball I hate that. Oh. double cobra from Travis Cloak he kicks his first to the red white and blue Joffa, you've never seen a man so flat
3: there you go it was the dogs by 14 points last night at the MCG to break it all down here's this man ready About
2: Is, is Brian, Brian Taylor. Taylor. Looks like I'm the only one to win a Coleman and be in a film. <laughs> and this is, this?
0: is Bristles missing Take your flags stick them you know where.
3: BT, good morning. And have uh, you ever so, seen something more fun than Travis Cloak smashing a 50-metre goal into the Magpie cheer squad? Yeah,
2: and he, and, he, and he didn't quite get it either. So it was a, it was a really uh, a really good kick in the end and it was great. I wish he'd kick the other one that he had an opportunity to do at the end of the game where he... Had an opportunity to absolutely seal the goal as well, so it was extraordinary. Really, look, I expect Travis Cloak, um, said to go on and be um, a very, very good player for um, for the Western Bulldogs this year.
3: Well, he was doing it all last night. They were using him a bit in the ruck. He was down back, laying big tackles, and of course the goal I mentioned.
2: And that's what he—that's all he has to do. See, um, even the people I work with, I know Wayne Carey thinks he's got to kick goals. And I, No, I don't think he has to do that. He did lots of clever little tap-ons last night, tackles, as you say, pressure, a little spell in the ruck. If he can contribute in all of those different areas, just in a small way, when you're in a really good team like the Western Bulldogs, you don't have to be the hero. You just have to do your little job and fill your role. And that's something that he hasn't had the luxury of at Collingwood, because you know, the heat's been on him and everyone's expecting to kick four goals a game.
3: Yeah, you mentioned tap-ons. And over the years, we've seen players come to mind, Michael Long, Cyril Rioli, who can flick the ball in various places. Last night, watching the Western Bulldogs, they looked like a side where 22 blokes were capable of little flick-ons that just made it through a Collingwood player and onto the next Bulldog teammate. It was really impressive.
2: Yeah, and don't they? you know... Coaches often talk about the little things, you know, and that, that, that's exactly what they're talking about. And, boy, what a difference they make when you've got a team that, as you say, gelling as they are and doing those little things. And uh, it makes a huge difference to the success of the team, that is for sure.
3: What about Jason Johannesson up forward, looking about as dangerous as you've ever seen him?
2: Yeah, he did. Um, and, you know, he's he's a, he's quick, he's athletic, um, He's a good kick despite the grand final last year where he missed, I think, three or four targets. He got um, he got blasted for that. But, look, he's just a great player and he, he gives them great speed. And um, the Dogs now, you know, there's players missing out on the Dogs team that actually should be in. And they just can't get a game. That's how strong they are.
3: We're talking to Brian Taylor. And, BT, well done to you, too, last night uh, making the sort of formal debut as the Friday night football man on TV on Channel 7, you are the premium product. Well done.
2: Yeah, look, it was good fun. You know, getting the opportunity to work with Bruce is a real privilege and, you know, a privilege for, uh, to, to do the Friday night uh, stuff with Channel 7. is a fantastic opportunity. Bruce is just like a footy coach. He's, he's so encouraging of everyone around him um, and so generous uh, in, in, the, in the way that he conducts himself during the call.
3: No, but mate, you've been mastering your craft for about twenty years in commentary, so well deserved, and uh, we appreciate having you on the Weekend Breakfast. Ah, uh, Seb, good on you, mate. And we have been taking musical tributes to Travis Cloak all morning, and they've all been fairly positive. So I thought I'd have one last musical tribute to Cloaky, and this one comes off Twitter at Seb Costello Nine. It's from a Collingwood supporter, and this is how he felt when Travis Cloak went back and nailed a fifty metre goal into the Collingwood cheer squad. Why don't y'all... Thank you very much for that. Off the Twitter, at SebCostello9. Keep them coming all morning. Now, James Lakey is pushing the buttons for us this morning from the Triple M newsroom. Morning, Lakey. Very good morning, Seb. Now, you don't mind your tennis. Did you see the Miami Open this week?
7: I I didn't see it, but I have seen
3: exactly what we're about to talk about. Animals. Indeed. Jerry Vasily and Tommy Haas were having a match. And an iguana ran onto the tennis court and sat on the scoreboard. Tommy loved it. He was taking selfies with the iguana. But uh, there you have it, a bit of a Mother Nature pitch invader. And it got me thinking of the times that Mother Nature has interrupted various functions and events I've been to over the journey. Have you ever had a Mother Nature pitch invader?
7: Myself, uh Let's, let's describe something that's a little bit sensitive. But yes. imagine, um, you know, being in the bedroom with your yes. wife. And, oh, you're you know, married, you're just, of course, The beautiful Jamie. And you just want to have a romantic evening and then yes. suddenly a spider crawls across the <laughs> roof. And you have to make this decision. Do you sit there and just let it happen and the hope that, that your wife doesn't see the spider? Or do you deal with it before it falls on your head?
3: Without wanting to be too inquiring here, James, are you positioned in a way that it is only you who can see the roof? <laughs> yes. Very lucky you. you. Uh, Mate, it happened to me recently. Uh, I was having a barbecue with my family and we had this kookaburra that would not leave us alone. It sat there on the fence and screamed for the entire thing. And kookaburras, they're not a quiet bird, James. No, no, they're not. I don't know if they're endangered or not, but I was very close to just sort of back elbowing it from my potato salad.
7: I think the rest of the world thinks kookaburras are awesome, the way they laugh and they think they're a funny <laughs> creature. But when you live with them in your, in your backyard waking you up every morning, no. We were both over in Rio for the Olympics yeah. last year as well. You may recall the capybara, those giant guinea pig looking like creatures.
3: Yes. They also
7: invaded the golf course over there, which was That's a surprise the right. golfers.
3: Oh, did they look like they had rabies? Yes. They looked awful, those things. What were they called again?
7: I think they were, it was pronounced capybara. Capybara.
3: Yeah they look, they look they look like they might give you a nasty bite. Oh they were mangy. They were mangy. They had never had a wash ever. That's probably why they went to the golf course to jump into the water <laughs> trap and freshen up a little bit. Hey, uh, give us a call 13353. Have you ever had a Mother Nature pitch invader? To West Heidelberg Fraser Morning.
8: There you go, mate.
3: Have you had a Mother Nature pitch invader?
8: Oh, I have indeed. I, uh, we're on the golf course, man, a
9: mate of mine, and uh, he was always accusing us of stealing the ball, but uh, he's got himself one of those big, shiny, green ones. He's like, right, you know, no one's taking the ball. They're always going to know it's mine. And sure enough, uh, about the third round, he tees off and does about the best shot you've ever seen. And out of the blue, this great big bastard crow comes down, picks up <laughs> the ball and takes off with it. So.
3: <laughs> a crow ate a golf ball. Oh, it's one of those things you always
9: hear about, but you never see. it. literally picked it up, took off, and he was screaming. This one bowl he got, so now on a
3: pinch, gets nicked by a crack. That is fantastic phrase. Thanks for the call, mate. You've got an Thank Australian you. Formula One Grand Prix merchandise pack. Hang on the line, Jake. You'll get your details. Danny, good morning.
6: Morning.
3: Have you had a Mother Nature pitch invader?
6: I have, not unlike
5: James, actually. Um, and it's happened more than once. So um, the <laughs> hubby and I were intimate. The cat was sitting on the chest at the end of the bed watching. It's like <laughs> that scene in Ace Ventura.
3: <laughs> and what do you do? I mean, the cat's part of the family. Is it allowed to watch or do you shoo uh, it? I, I
5: give up.
10: <laughs> There's nothing I can do.
3: <laughs> There's a lot of lines there, Danny, but I, I'm biting my tongue here, so I will leave you and your cat. And Anyway, we won't go there. To Brandon at Newtown. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, boys? Have you had a Mother Nature pitch invader, mate? Not quite a pitch invader.
1: invader. Uh, when I was a builder down at Wye River, it is a, an Australian pest, uh, the koala, <laughs> They when it would rain, they would sit in the trees next to the house where we were building, and because we didn't have it, a, a radio reception, and it was raining, they'd get wet, and they would just scream, scream for hours on end because they were wet, and it was the worst. <laughs> And you'd have to walk out to the balcony and scream just as loud as them to get them to shut up.
3: Now, yeah, Brendan, can you give us a bit of an idea what a screaming koala sounds like?
1: Oh, uh, not quite. But it, it's, imagine a three-year-old girl that's just uh, stubbed her toe, mate.
3: Fair enough. You've got to watch the koalas. They have, uh, they, they have a terrible uh, epidemic of syphilis. <laughs> True story, apparently. I, uh, I read that there, so uh, just watch out for those koalas. I appreciate all the calls. Lakey, uh, mate, you need to get an exterminator around to your place. Oh, well and truly, we've got wasps now as well. That's what happens when you live in the bush. <laughs> I think I think it's not the missus just letting all these insects into the boudoir so she doesn't have to get it on with you, is it? No, she wants a new house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, fair enough. Tonight, the comeback march to the G takes place. It begins at Birung Ma from 4 leaving at six, and it is led by Terry Danaher, Dustin Fletcher, Paul Salmon, and Kevin Sheedy. It's, of course, Essendon supporters converging on the Melbourne cricket ground to take on the Hawks in what is going to be a huge game. The CEO of that football club, Xavier Campbell, joins us on the line. Morning, Zav. Thanks for having me. Mate, expecting some big crowds for the comeback march?
4: Yeah, we are. I mean, obviously last year uh, we we held a similar march in round two uh, for our first time game against Melbourne, and it was you know it was around 15,000. And you know tonight I'm not sure how many. Obviously there's a lot of anticipation about um, our season ahead, and I think for the first time you know fans get to focus on football and incumbent of you know a whole range of issues of the past. So you know it should be huge.
3: Last time there was a march, my mate Lawrence Mooney was at the front of it. And he was carrying on at the front of that group like he was the president of the football club, doing interviews with Channel 9, Channel 10, talking about how difficult the year had been for him and altogether speaking on behalf of the club. Uh, Is the Moon Man back this year? I think, I'm not entirely
4: sure, but I mean, we did have to sit him down after the match last year. I mean, he took his shirt off at one point, which was a little bit but, but he's, a, he's a good ambassador for the football club. He's a very funny man, obviously, and he's always welcome. He?
3: he does love his bomb as the moon man. Now, uh, not just uh, will Paul Salmon and TD be leading the comeback march. Of course, the players will have a new leader on the field in Captain Dyson Heppel. How's Dyson going?
4: Yeah, he's great. I mean, everyone sort of sees him for what exactly what he is. He's a knockabout bloke. He's down to earth. You know, he's he's very humble. Um, he's very likable, and you know he's, he loves his mates. But he's you know behind the scenes for us. He, he drives excellence. He's as professional as anyone, and he just wants to see this football club succeed. He's been an excellent supporter his entire life. So and he's a great ambassador for us.
3: Now, it's at the MCG tonight where a lot of true Bomber fans prefer to watch the club. Of course, Essendon were one of the first clubs to jump on board with Had Stadium and in many ways helped build that place by filling it with the red and black. But there has been a bit of discussion I've been following between the club and the league and the venues about trying to get more Bomber games at the MCG. What's the true situation there?
4: Yeah, I think uh, for us, like in the past, we've sort of made it known that we're open to playing more home games at the G, um, but you know, that's sort of a bit dependent, underpinned by you know, on-field performance, supply and demand, a you know, simple equation of supply and demand around members and capacity and things like that. And, if you look at our supporters, I know Seb, you you live uh, south of the river, so you're you're in two, So you, you speak for one one part of the population, um, but we have a significant portion of our members through that northwest corridor. And you know Etihad is equally as popular with our fans, given its accessibility. And mm. I guess for us over the next probably eighteen months, you know we'll sit down with the AFL, we'll look at what the vision looks like for Etihad Stadium, and they've got you know grand plans and. You know, if they can bring those plans to a reality, I think we'd be silly to sort of make a decision prematurely around what the future of our home game mix looks like. But there's no doubt that we love playing games at the G. It's the home of football. It's, it's where finals football's played. And, you know, fans certainly love playing football there.
3: And there's going to be a number one draft pick running around there tonight. Few nervous supporters about how the young man is going to go against those Hawthorne big bodies. <laughs> well, <laughs>
4: I guess, yeah, you know, it, it is a bit daunting in some respects. I mean, I was sort of I had mixed emotions on, on uh, Thursday when I found out he was playing. I was super excited for him. Um, but also the fact you put yourself in, in, in a, just any kid's shoes, you know, not just Andrew's shoes, but to be playing in your first AFL senior game in front of, you know, the MCC has changed their forecast to make 85,000 tonight. Um, you know, it's daunting. But everything, you know, every time I've come to contact with Andrew, he's just calm, he's balanced. Um, he's very mature and he's thinking and although his body's not quite as big as those around him, his decision making has been, you know, we've seen that through the pre-season, he doesn't probably try and do more than what he needs to do he just does, makes good decisions and he makes them quickly, so I think he's, you know, Estes fans should rightly be excited about uh, about Andy playing tonight
3: Andrew McGraw, we're talking about, of course. Well, tonight, the comeback march to the G. Birung Ma at four, leaves at six with Terry Danaher, Dustin Fletcher, Paul Salmon and Kevin Sheedy leading a big pack of Essendon supporters on the MCG to take on the Hawks. The CEO of Essendon, Xavier Campbell, thank you for your time.
4: Pleasure, Seb. I hope to see more Essendon games and, and hosting less uh, Western World <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'll hold you to that. Somebody uh, take that audio for me, please. Let's talk supercars, though, and our next guest will always be remembered for this fantastic moment in Adelaide back in 2014.
8: Oh, I was an idiot. I, I slowed down too much, so I uh, I should have blocked him a bit better, but he got me, and then we went side by side. It was pretty good racing, and I don't know what happened on there. I, I just plucked her in first and gave some gentle...
11: <laughs> <I'm> <laughs>
3: One of the great moments in supercars, but he's also an incredible driver and had a win yesterday. Morning, Scotty McLaughlin. Hey, guys. How are you? Mate, how many times would you have heard that clip played back to you?
8: Uh, <laughs> a few times. I mean, <laughs> it's one of those things where, uh, I guess it, it, it's, uh, I don't know, everyone found out sort of who I was at that point And, and um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was a... It's definitely changed my life. So moving yeah. forward, I've probably grown up, but it's all good.
3: <laughs> you got a trademark now, mate. Of course, that coming from Adelaide a couple of years ago where you surprised everybody with an amazing performance driving against uh, a Jamie Winkup, if I remember. now, mate, uh, yesterday on the first Supercars Challenge event, you were on top of the podium, so to speak.
8: Yeah, absolutely. It was a it was a great day, not only for me, but for the team. Um, Shell V Power Racing, we were, uh, had two and One win for me, one win for Fabian, and, um, you know, probably was the most ideal ideal situation for our team. So um, moving forward today, we're going to try and do our best again and we'll see how we go.
3: This might be a loaded question given that you won yesterday, but would you like to see the Albert Park event added to the championship calendar for points?
8: Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, a few little format changes would be fantastic too. Maybe like uh, two like bigger races, maybe on the Friday and Saturday night. And uh, something that, you know, creates a bit of a spectacle and stuff would be fantastic, but... Uh, well- yeah, you know, it's still pretty cool at the moment, but yeah, it would be fantastic to be a little bit cooler.
3: Well, that's right, isn't it? The supercars yesterday was only thirteen lap races. Is that the same across the weekend?
8: It is, yeah. There's is yeah. two more of those, but it's it's not an. I mean, it's not enough for us. It's it's, it's, it's just a little showcase, and but I guess at the end of the that, day, that's sort of what it, what you know what we've got to only fight for because it's only a non championship race anyway.
3: Who's your favourite F one driver?
8: Oh, I would have to say Ricardo, but a close
3: <laughs> second would be. Um, would be
8: at uh, Kimi Räikkönen.
3: Hey, you like Kimmy?
8: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Kimmy. I think he's just, uh, he's just a cool dude, and um, he drives Ferrari. And it's just really cool.
3: Well, it is a fun weekend, and Scotty McLaughlin, it is great to have you as a part of it. Well done yesterday, uh, and enjoy the next few days at Albert Park.
8: Yeah, cheers. Thank you.
3: We are live from the Coats Hire Supercars Village. Coates Hire, of course, being the official equipment supplier for the 2017 Formula One a Rolex Australian Grand Prix. And every now and then you can just hear the two-seater F1 go past and it screams louder than a bunch of teenage girls at a Bieber concert. It is incredible. But speaking of matinee idols... I caught up with the very handsome and very, very nice David Coulthard earlier in the week. Of course, a former race winner of Formula One. All-round good bloke. Loves coming to Melbourne and has a chat to Triple M every year. And I thought I'd start off with the new F1 regulations that have come in this season. Basically, they've made the cars fatter and faster. And I'll leave it to David Coulthard to explain.
11: Well, they've basically... What they've done is realized that Formula One lost a little bit of its, you know, speed and and energy and excitement over the last few years. Because although we've gone hybrid, which means we've got this, you know, combination of the internal combustion engine and this big battery pack, which gives us loads of power. Nothing comes for nothing. So they've got heavy and they've basically gone a little bit slower than we used to have in the past. So what they've done is made the cars wider, which gives you more stability in the corners. They've made uh, wider tires, which gives you more grip in the low speed corners. And they've given them bigger wings, which basically means you get more downforce. So all of that means the cars are faster.
3: Terrific. It should make for a good spectator sport. I suppose you've got to make the, the tracks a bit safer, too, when you've got faster cars.
11: Well, yes and no. You know, this has always been the, uh, the, the thing that, you know, on one hand, we never want to see someone be injured. But the reality is motorsport is dangerous. Um, and, you know, prepare your listeners for this. Life is dangerous. Sadly, something <laughs> yeah. is going to kill us in the end. And, yep. um, you know, so we cannot wrap everything in cotton and wool. But, you know, we go to places like Monte Carlo. You know, I live there. I've been there for 20-odd years. Uh, I race around the streets of Monaco. There is no runoff. You know, you make a mistake. You, you, you whack into a barrier. So it's finding the fine line between making it impossible to hit anything versus having the adrenaline rush of, of knowing that you're, you're having to sort of thread between, you know, the barriers and the curbs and all of the challenges that are there. So part of the attraction for the drivers is the fact that there is an element of danger. I'm going to put a proposition
3: to you that some may say is a bit unfair, but it focuses on the Mercedes team. So Nico Rosberg wins the world championship and then retires. Bit of a shock to everybody. Lewis Hamilton stays there and they bring in Valtteri Bottas. Has Valtteri been brought in because he's not as good as a Nico to allow Lewis to be the number one man?
11: Well, in actual fact, he's been supported by Toto Wolff, who's the motorsport boss for Mercedes uh, for several years. He was sort of earmarked in the lower formulas and, and, and sort of, you know, financially supported through those early days uh, and positioned at Williams because uh, for those of, uh, of, of your listeners who who follow Formula 1 closely, they'll know that Toto Wolff used to be an owner of part of Williams and he, he was affiliated with that team before he, he went to Mercedes. So in many ways, it's a sort of realisation of his longer term vision. He didn't expect Rosberg to to take a walk at the end of last year. Um, I don't even think Rosberg realized he was going to take a walk <laughs> until he won the championship but uh, he has um, you know it would have been great I, I guess for the sport if there was a headline champion already like a, a Vettel or, or something like that that was positioned alongside um, Hamilton but that said Bottas um, you know is well respected within Mercedes this is his chance he may turn out to be a Hamilton beater he doesn't know right now he'll believe he can We don't know because we haven't seen him up against Hamilton, but that's what makes the season, I think, interesting. Is Lewis still the best driver out there? Uh, He's definitely one of the best drivers. I think that if you were, um, you know, basically starting your own Grand Prix team, if you ended up with uh, Lewis in the car, if you ended up with Alonso in a car, uh, you know, Daniel Ricciardo, Max Verstappen, uh, Vettel, if you ended up with any of those guys, just to give you, you know, five off the bat then you know you're in good hands because they're still all exceptional. Alonso. I mean obviously Absolutely. doesn't have
3: the the car to to really no. be up there but he's still yeah. a phenomenal driver. Yeah,
11: he's he's exceptional. You just need to look at his performances last year which don't really you know shine in terms of outright results because he's in a McLaren Honda which is not performing. But every chance he gets to get stuck in he he's he's one of those exceptionals and that's the thing I always say, you know when I'm working on on, on Channel 4 television the UK broadcaster I'm always you know they're all good drivers. Um what we're looking for is exceptional and it doesn't matter whether it's formula one, whether it's Aussie rules, football, whether it's cricket, the exceptional performances is what inspires people to watch sport because we can all, you know, with practice be good at something, but we want to see these sort of, you know, wow, how did they do do that type of performance? One more before we let you go. Is Daniel Ricciardo a future world champion? He's a real deal. Um, and he smiles and he knows. <laughs> yeah, I know. He and, and he knows how lucky he is to be a Grand Prix driver. And you bring all of that together, then you know, his personality is something which you know, is what we need in sport. We, we don't just want really good at what they do, sports people. We want guys that inspire the next generation. And you know, I've got an eight year old son. And he's drawn to someone like Daniel because, you know, he he knows how to be goofy with the kids, but he knows how to sort of put his game face on as well um, when it comes to getting in the race car. So, you know, what you would call him is an inspirational sportsman. Would you ever drink out of a racing boot? Uh, if I was forced to take that challenge, I would, um, but it wouldn't be my first choice. And I, I do think, and, I, and I'm, I'm pretty sure this doesn't represent the, uh, the Australian nation, uh, but it is a slightly bizarre thing. to, want to... They invented a thing called mm, the glass.
3: Yes, yes. Yeah, we've had that for a while and it, it's yeah. worked pretty well. It has indeed. Uh... We've all seen a few too many empty ones uh, over yeah. the journey, but uh, David Coulthard, it's great to have you here at Triple M. Thanks for your time. Thank you. And who isn't cheering for Daniel Ricciardo across the weekend? He's our man in that Red Bull car, and we would love to see him do well. He's a really, really nice dude, and I caught up with him a bit earlier in the week uh, at the Puma store at Melbourne Central. Now, he's a Perth boy, of course, so he barracks for the West Coast Eagles. And just to set the scene, what a week for him to arrive into Melbourne. Of course, the front page of the paper, headlines about the West Coast Eagles and their drug use back around the time they won the 2006 flag. In fact, one day there was Barry Hall... Big Bad Barry Hall, the former Swans champion, on the front page of the paper saying he believed the West Coast Eagles flag was tarnished. Well, I thought that's where I'd start my conversation with Daniel Ricardo and get his thoughts on whether that flag is, in fact, tarnished.
12: Uh, if I'm honest, that's the first I've heard. Okay. So, uh, look, that's what's that, over a decade ago now, so I'm still going to hold on to it. <laughs>
3: But I guess it's all about the illicit drug issue. We now know that the Ben Cousins and the type are obviously doing some bad stuff away from the field. I was thinking about it in the context of your sport. And, well, of course, on one hand you'd say it's ridiculous because it's illegal to drive on drugs. On the other, some people might say it increases
12: concentration. Is it much of an issue in Formula 1? It's, it's never been an issue in F1 as, as far as I know. Um, and we get tested so every day. I, I think it's maybe the same with the footy, but we got the, the wider. Uh, world world anti-doping association and on any given day they can come and and test us uh i got tested i think the day before chris maybe christmas eve or the day before christmas eve um when i was at home in perth you know in december so um they can randomly come up so it's even in the let's say off season we still uh let's say wouldn't risk it but uh in terms of a performance point of view obviously i've never tried but uh i I can't see anyone being tempted to go down that route, though. No. Are they friendly when the
3: drug testers show up in Perth when you're on your Christmas holidays?
12: Uh, it's business. I mean, they, they say good day, but it's like, all right, now drop your pants and give us <laughs> give, give us a sample. So, uh, yeah, it, it's normally just a urine sample, so which is all right because I don't really like needles, so no blood tests, which is a, a little bit easier. And you tested positive to Red Bull, I suppose. <laughs> that was a little bit of, there was probably a bit of vodka as well in the system. <laughs> it is Christmas. Well, you
3: know. What else would you do at they Christmas understand. time? So, mate, tell us about these fatter and faster cars we're hearing about. You, can you
12: tell, as a driver, that changes uh, have been made? Yeah, you can, you can feel it. Like, from, from the fatter tyres, you feel more grip. So, like, out of all the, the tight corners, you can basically get to full throttle quicker. So you, you have less wheel spin, more traction, basically. So they accelerate faster. And the cornering speeds, like all the high-speed corners, we can just carry more, more speed. So, like, there was a corner in Barcelona, I think last year was around 220 kilometres an hour. This year it was, like, 260. So we're cornering quite a lot quicker. That means a little bit more commitment, but uh, more fun.
3: Now, mate, I think viewers of F1 last year when Nico got up, thought to ourselves maybe the Karma bus had just made its way onto the Formula 1 track uh, for, for dear Lewis. Uh, were there anyone in the driver's fraternity that may have sh-
12: shared that view? Um, I think like a lot of people were, were happy for Nico to, to do it. Uh, they, they both had their, their moments. I'd say they both had their little in, in team battles and and whatnot. Uh, a few little, few little fits here and there. But, uh, yeah, I think everyone was, it's always the same story. Like everyone wants to see someone different win. It's just natural. People like a change. And so when Red Bull was dominating, it was like, let someone else win. And now that we haven't been dominating for a few years, everyone wants to see us win again. So it's natural, but uh, I think a lot of people were happy that, you know, Nico did it and then, yeah, went out on a high.
3: couple, before we let you go, it's a lot of people's dream to drive an F1 car.
12: Is there any vehicle out there, be it car or two-wheeler or anything, you haven't driven that you would love to? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to ride a MotoGP bike. Um, yeah, that would be like the dream. So I'm not necessarily that that good on two wheels, but I'm massively passionate about it, so yeah, I would, I would happily swap my F1 car for a MotoGP like one day. Sure, we can get you
3: down to Phillip Island at some stage. Yeah,
12: that would, that would that'd be the dream.
3: And, mate, you started this whole shoey craze. You borrowed it off somebody else. I can't remember exactly who it was, yeah. but I remember you telling me in a previous the mad, interview. The mad Hueys. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. right. Uh, mate, it's gotten so
12: big, this drinking out of your shoe on the podium. They're now making shoey stubby holders. Have you seen them? Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know what to make of it. Like, I'm I, in a way kind of overwhelmed, uh, but it's funny. Like, I laugh because... I never thought it would go as crazy as it did. And I I was kind of worried, I was like, maybe some people completely hate it and say I'm disgusting and just a disgrace. (laughs) But uh, everyone seems to have taken it on board, so I I can't complain, it's nice.
3: Far from it mate, does it taste okay?
12: If If you catch it early enough, it's good. Like, whilst the champagne's still cold, it's good. Once once it starts going warm, then you get a bit too much flavour. So get it, get it while it's crisp. <laughs> get it while it's fresh. Dan Ricciardo,
3: it's always great to catch up, mate. Good luck uh, for the race on Sunday when, uh, yeah. when it all happens, and we appreciate your time on Triple M.
12: You're welcome. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me.
3: Daniel Ricardo. there from the Puma Store, in Melbourne Central. Caught up with him earlier in the week, uh, and now we're thinking about whether I just want to sip my latte out of my shoe this morning, because he does sell those shoeies as being a particularly tasteful way to consume your beverage. <laughs> Well, what that means is Chanel Vella from Channel 10. Good morning. Hello. And Jade Vincent from Channel 9. Good morning. Hello. Now, have you guys been to the Grand Prix before?
10: I have. Just for work. <laughs> yes, for work and one time many, many years ago.
3: And what do you make of it?
10: I feel Did like... Did you
3: it... get in okay this morning? It can be very complicated.
10: Well, I got the hookup. Thank oh. you, Chanel. What? Is what you can <laughs> say, Jade. Uh, I work at Channel 10, mm. found a buggy, got ourselves down here. Thanks, buggy? Yep. Golf buggy. Hey, don't act like you don't know what Driven it is. Driven VIP
3: style into well, the Grand Prix.
10: You know, we don't get many perks, but I'll take a <laughs> buggy.
6: And we were far more excited about this <laughs> buggy than when you just rolled in before. Very casually,
10: we were like, we're on a buggy. Let's take an Instagram video.
3: Oh, Is it on Insta? Yeah,
10: It's absolutely on Where can Insta. people find it? Well, on my, on my Insta. Give it a plug. Chanel Vela. Just Chanel Vela. Get on there. Me. Follow
3: her right now. 20 Instagram followers <laughs> we want by the end of the show for Chanel Vella.
10: But I do love the Grand Prix because mm. I feel like that anyone, the opposite of the Grand Prix is the Monash Freeway at 5 o'clock. Yes. yes so yes. if you don't like the Grand Prix, that's what you're choosing. Correct. Mm. So yep. you've got to get around it. It is
3: really only a case of either the Grand Prix or the Monash.
10: That's right. And no one likes the Monash. No.
6: There's so much excitement around the drivers yes. as well. We saw mm. some fans literally sprinting down um, Running. the gates yep. for one of the Ferrari drivers, which I and I thought it was for us. We're like, oh, God. <laughs> <Our laughs> watch. Like two minutes in <laughs> a golf buggy a and suddenly
3: you're Justin Bieber. <laughs> um, yes, I actually have a little sort of rumour to throw into the mix, speaking oh. of... Uh, Speeding and not speeding and police in the Grand Prix. I might do that after this break. Did you guys see the man who went swimming with crocodiles Mm. during the week?
6: He's like... He's what I like to call a moron. <laughs> <laughs>
3: mm. That does sum him up. Look, he was a young fella who was trying to impress a British backpacker.
6: Correct. That's it. Mm. Uh, up in North Queensland yeah. and jumped into croc-infested waters to, quote, prove a point that, <laughs> um, that backpackers are the, usually the most likely to get eaten. Uh, ends up nearly getting his arm torn off.
3: Not um, ideal. Not ideal. Let's hear from the young man himself. Here's his side of the story.
11: I started telling about how backpackers are more likely to get eaten by a crocodile than Australians. So we decided to go down to the river and test the theory.
10: How many drinks did you had by that point?
11: Uh, About 10 cups of goon.
10: How would you describe your own actions?
11: Uh, Stupidity. Now there's crocs there.
10: Do you understand that most of the country thinks that you're one of the stupidest people around right now?
11: Yep, I do.
10: What's your response to that?
11: I'm not really. I'm just, I don't know, trying to prove a point.
3: Well done, sir. And uh, I'm not sure what the point was. Did he prove it?
10: Well, all my boyfriend had to do was drive down Wellington Road in a white VS Commodore with aviators on, and I was sold on that. <laughs> so, crocodiles, not necessary, but good on him. He's gone
3: to he some a, lengths. He
10: has got a date out of it, too.
3: Well, he so, did, so there was a backpacker.
6: Sophie, the British backpacker, thought, well, if he's going to get an arm torn off me, i better take him to the movies. Yeah.
3: Well, speaking of Sophie, he did uh, allude to the fact that there was a little bit of romance motivating this crocodile swim.
11: She's beautiful, caring and kind. <laughs> I didn't know there was a croc there. I just done it for Sophie. She beautiful? Yeah. yeah.
10: He's, He's just...
3: growing on me, this guy. Yeah. You know, chivalry is not dead. Romance is not dead. Good on him.
10: He done it for her.
3: He done it for Soph. Yeah. Whole... Soph better appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Come on,
6: Soph. Can I say, it reminds me of one of my most favorite Meatloaf songs. Do yes. We
3: have that? Oh, I'm not sure. Do we have I'm that?
10: I'll never let oh. I mean, he almost became a me. I both. was going
6: to say. <laughs> <laughs> he was dinner.
10: But where do you take it from there? If, oh, if they true. get married mm-hmm. and they live a happy, then she's always going to be like, darling. You jumped in that lake for me, you will go and wash the car on Sunday morning.
3: He has committed himself to a lifetime of servitude. Too
6: high. He set the bar too high. Mm. I just think Lee should stop with maybe the ten cups of goon and that might help him. Goon gets everyone in the mood.
3: Isn't that the way to start a good story? (laughs) Well, I had ten cups of goon. Triple M's Weekend Breakfast, Chanel Vella Air from Channel 10 and Jade Vincent from Channel 9. We've gone a little bit over time here, so I'm gonna to have to give you one of these beautiful donuts from Little Black with Genovese coffee, the Bistro Morgan donuts, and wish you on your way.
10: Thank you so much. Thank Love a so breakfast much. donut.
3: Enjoy the weekend.
10: We'll do you too. Stringer ended up the footy, and he's bounced it through. That's four
0: straight to the dogs. Johanneson picked it up. Look at the leg speed. First clear of a tackle. He loves the kick, will Pendlebury tight angle. 30 from home. Bot to Pelly. Swinged it around on the right boot. For Solo. Mark Nils. Oh, He'll play on. He'll kick two goals in a row for Solo. Travis, cloak to have his first shot on goal. Listen to the Magpie Army. From 52, directly in front. High ball. Long ball. <laughs> Good ball. That. Oh. Double cobra from Travis Cloak. He kicks his first to the red, white, blue. Joffa, you've never seen a man so flat.
3: It was beautiful stuff to watch. The Bulldogs winning 15-10-100 by fourteen points over the pies, 12-14-86. And a member of the winning side joins us on the line now. Morning, Matty Suckling. Good morning, how are you? Mate, I'm good, and I love the way you guys got around Travi Cloak after he kicked that goal in the first quarter. The bont was first to him, wrapping him up in a big bear hug, and then all the players rubbed his head and got around him.
9: Oh, yeah, it's always a special moment, Um, guys kicking their first goal for the club, and um, I experienced it last year, and, um, yeah, it's a really special feeling, one Travi will never forget, I reckon.
3: I mean, he's been so long at Collingwood. How has he been fitting in at the Witten Oval?
9: Yeah, he's obviously brought a lot of experience and he's fitted in really well. He's just a nice, easy-going guy and uh, he's got everyone's respect and he's gone about training really well and it's good to see him playing well early.
3: Mate, it was a hot crowd there at the MCG. They were making plenty of noise and you could certainly tell that a premiership doesn't hurt crowd figures for the Western Bulldogs.
9: Absolutely. There's nothing better than fight a night at the MCG and uh, especially against a big club like Collingwood. It's pretty deafening out there and it especially was when he kicked his goal.
3: We're talking to Matty Suckling from the Western Bulldogs who won last night over the Magpies by 14 points. And Matty, there was a lot of discussion pre-season about the superiority of the Western Bulldogs' handball game. And in fact, it was sort of written up like Alistair Clarkson had questioned the legitimacy of the disposal. You know Clarko pretty well as a former Hawk. Did that phase the playing group?
9: Oh, no, not really. It's it's, uh, pretty easy to get sucked into outside noise, but um, we've had a real focus to keep control we can control and um, yeah we work really hard on handballing as we do with our other skills and um, yeah we just keep trying to work on it and get as good as we can.
3: It looked to me last night like in terms of hand skills you guys had almost taken it a step further. We know you're quick with a handball but last night we were seeing players with little flicks tapping it through passing lanes to get it on to the next player and release him down the field. Has that been a focus? Was that intentional?
9: Yeah, I think I think this year you're going to see so many sides are so good at putting on so much pressure. So those little skills, little knock-ons, they're going to become really important, especially um, in hot games like it was last night. They're going to become really important. So, yeah, we work hard on them during the week, and it's good to see some of it come out already.
3: Now, Luke Darcy, who I work with on The Hot Breakfast, often reminds me that football clubs are a school of hard knocks. If you sort of step out of line and uh, do something a little bit uh, flamboyant, the boys remind you about it. What's your take on the Johannesson haircut?
9: <laughs> uh, I don't mind it. I'm a big Odell Beckham fan from the NFL. And, um, I think he's copying that. So I'm happy to let him run with it. And um, I have little blonde streaks in my hair over the Christmas break, but cut him off for the start of the season to stop any criticism like him <laughs>
3: <laughs> you got on the front foot i don't mind it either to be honest uh, for those who aren't familiar with american football there's a new york giant who's a big name over there called odell beckham jr and he's the first one to do the sort of hairstyle you saw jason Johansson rocking last night with the blonde curls and a little bit of a darker undercut sort of look he played a fair bit forward last night Johansson, and he's so dangerous near the ball
4: Oh,
9: he's lightning quick and yeah, any any bit of space he gets, he, he can use it. And um, it was nice seeing him kick some goals and play through some different roles.
3: And uh, Bevo must have been pleased. What was the message post-game? I know it's only round one and you guys are on a bit of a journey, but it's always good to get four points.
9: Oh, absolutely. Wins are wins and um, every four points counts. And especially round one, it's nice to sort of get your season off to a bit of a roll. You're not know, playing catch-up footy, but um, yeah, so there's time to recover up and get ready to go again
3: one last one, having Bob Murphy back playing with you guys. That must have been a good thing.
9: Oh, yeah, it's pretty amazing to see what he went through last year and how, how he's attacked pre-season. and um, Yeah, just his leadership in class last night stood out. and um, Yeah, it's great to have him back, really.
3: Do you go to the GP now that footy's over for the weekend?
9: I've never been, but going for the first time today. So, um, yeah, hopefully it's not too bad. And then, yeah, might go catch the old Hawks mob against the Bombers tonight.
3: Oh, mate, well, you'll love it. Drop by the Supercars Village and come see Formula 105.1 Triple M. MMM. We'd love to see you. Matty Suckling from the Western Bulldogs, appreciate your time.
9: Cheers, thanks for having me.
3: Cheers. That is Matty Suckling. And that is the weekend breakfast for another Saturday morning. Thank you for being a part of it. We were here for Hire and, of course, for Petters, the expert in undercar. No bull, have a sensational weekend. And three words, go Daniel Ricardo.
11: Pedder's, the experts in undercar. No bull. Know your weight with Pedder's Toe and Load Assessment for just $75. Unlike Pedder's, there's plenty of bull with Seb Costello. Triple M's Weekend Breakfast.